Welcome to Your Next Mission podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilley. Proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. Good day out there, veterans and families, and welcome to season two of Your Next Mission, a program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sword Major Army, your host. I always love saying that. Uh, and we have a great show for you today. In fact, we have a wonderful show for you today. But before we get started, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like us and click on the subscribe button below. Today, we're going to focus on understanding veterans' benefits. And I know there's a lot of veterans out there that that certainly uh, don't understand their benefits, just like me. Now, before we get started, I want to thank our presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans for making your next mission happen. They love our veterans and families, and we certainly love them. As I mentioned, today's theme is about understanding veterans' benefits, and I'm so excited uh, to introduce Dr. Paul Lawrence, businessman, author, passionate veteran advocate, and a former Undersecretary of Benefits of the Veterans Benefits Administration at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Welcome, sir. Uh, glad to have you on your show. Well, thank you very much for having me today, Jack. I, I really want you to know I appreciate being with you because I think you're a great model of someone who's continuing to serve long after service. And I'm happy to be here to talk about veterans issues and just think about how we can help veterans as they continue to move forward. Well, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. You know, I know the audience is really eager to hear about all the stuff that you do and have done for the VA. But before we do that, could you tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Well, I actually grew up in a military family. My father was a career army officer. Um, you know, by the time I was 18, we lived a third of our life overseas in Europe primarily and doing different things and moving around the country. I served in the Army uh, through ROTC after graduating from college. I got out after my commitment was over. I spent my, most of my entire career in the private sector, and it wasn't until just 2018 that I actually joined the government when I was nominated to be Undersecretary for Benefits. So I brought a lot of my private sector experience to the Veterans Benefits Administration, and I really wanted to get involved because I wanted things to be better for veterans. And I think probably you understand this, you can't sit on the sideline forever critiquing people who can't get the job done and not stand up and say, I think I can do this job. And my intention was while I was there to go and make things better for veterans as, as good as they could possibly believe. And I just have this rather naive view that veterans should be getting world-class service from the VA. And that was what I really sought to do in my three years there. Oh, I, I agree hundred percent. In fact, I used to tell people if you, if you sit on the side and complain, you're not getting anything done. So get your hands dirty and get out there and fix it. Uh, yep. Sir, uh, from uh, your time in the, as the undersecretary from, for benefits at the VA, what, what can you tell the audience about, uh, you know, how to help them with their benefits? Sure. Well, I guess the one thing I would point out is, you know, kind of take a step back and really appreciate that, you know, when you serve in the military, our country really recognizes how important that is and how, quite frankly, how noble that is. So as a result, the American people through Congress have provided a whole set of benefits for veterans. So these are not entitlements. These are things 
folks have earned. And they're there for a reason. And there's a lot of them and veterans should feel comfortable using them. Sometimes veterans will say, oh, well, I'm really not that hurt or injured. Others can do it or I didn't know or I don't feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. So I think it's very important for folks to realize these are benefits that they've earned. And there's a lot of them. It's easy to think about disability compensation. But of course, there's a pension if you should fall on hard times. Um, there's the GI Bill, the education benefit, the home loan guarantee. There's also a great insurance offering in case you're service disabled, you need insurance and you can't get in the private sector. And something I hope we'll talk a little bit more about today is veterans readiness and employment. So there's a range of benefits that you know really need our veterans to understand and at least be aware of and use them as appropriate. Yeah, you know, the, uh, let's take, uh, well, uh, what uh, give, can you give some insight to the families and what they need to know about benefits? I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I was always deployed. I was always gone. And I, and I got to be honest with you, I, and I'm probably like most people that served in the military. I never focus on benefits and entitlements. I just focused on doing my job. Uh, but but how do we help the families? Uh, do they need to know more about benefits? Well, they, they should. And it's actually incumbent on the veteran to let the family know he or she is getting benefits. So I'll cut to the sadder things I had to deal with in the last job, which was a veteran would pass and often just through the demographics, you know, you get the spouse on the phone going, you know, I didn't know he was doing benefits. Like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. So you don't want during this incredibly stressful period to be able to explain, well, you have to fill out these 14 forms and they're really hard to do, right? And of course, one of the questions is, will I get the same amount of money my husband, my, my veteran was earning through disability compensation? And the answer is no, it changes and there's different rules. And also there's benefits for children and even believe it or not, under certain circumstances, there are benefits for the parents of veterans. So there's really a host of things that may be relevant. And one of the things that's kind of kicked in now during COVID was the circumstances under which a veteran passes. If a veteran passes due to something that he was he or she was service connected to, mm -hmm. there are other benefits for their family. So it's really rather complicated. And the very best veterans inform their family about benefits and if they are earning them, what they're earning, so they are prepared for certain circumstances that might play its way out in their lives. Yeah, I used to I used to tell people, like, you know, if you just educate the spouse about the benefits and entitlements, I think we'd be a lot farther. The other thing is, and I, this may be just an idea, but I've always thought we should put uh, benefits and entitlements into our educational process within the military. You know, like the, the yeah. schools that we go to, the officer schools and the non-commissioned officer schools. I think that'd be... I think it'd be so much more important. I think we have a lot more people that that use the VA. Yeah, that's really true. I mean, it's it's a hard subject. It's a complicated subject. All the explanations are difficult and hard to read. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so it's really very hard. And then when you finally need them, you're often, like I said, in periods of stress. So it's just the worst of all possible worlds when that happens. So yeah, it would be better if folks were to understand, you know, what are really what veterans would understand what a really good thing this was intended to be, and what a real plus up in their life it's supposed to be. So you're right; I couldn't agree more. More education, more training, more reminders of of what it is and why would be really good. You know, I've sat on a, a couple of boards for the VA a, a few years back. I sent. Uh, uh, on cemeteries and, and monuments, national monuments, I think it was, right. and, and a couple of advisory boards. One of the things that 
that always bothered me, I guess, a little bit is the fact that that we uh, we don't we don't educate people. We don't market enough about the VA. The only time we ever hear anything about the VA is with something negative. Somebody has a problem. Somebody dies or whatever. And I got to tell you, I, you know, I, for years I didn't use the VA, but in the last probably four to five years, I've started going to uh, the Tampa VA, and they're wonderful. They do a great right. job. I mean, they're really. Uh, and I, it, have they ever thought about? I mean, I guess the question is, why don't we market it a little bit more, educate people a little bit more on that? Well, it was hard before when there really weren't good stories to tell. <laughs> That's but, true. You know, yeah. While we were there, things did improve a lot. And that yeah. was something we used to talk about all the time, about the improvement in trust scores. And I completely agree with you. I would talk candidly about this when I would go to conferences about changing the narrative, right? And reminding folks that, you know, the secretary, when I was there, used to say something like, there's 400,000 people at the VA work there but there's like 200 knuckleheads who get all the attention, Absolutely. right? And so a constant you know, repetition of a bad news stories leads to distrust and veterans don't want to come to an organization which is by and large, very, very good and provides great care, you know, fast benefits in the cemeteries, believe it or not, the National Cemetery Administration, they lead all private sector organizations in customer satisfaction scores. So I really do think it's incumbent upon all leaders at the VA to really go out and tell a fact-based story about what's going on, good and bad, but understanding there, there is a lot good. Yeah, I, I, one, one last thing and I'll get off that, you know, about 86% of the force is enlisted. And, and I think that probably would not be a bad idea if you take uh, maybe one of the uh, senior enlisted from one of the services that's retired or something, it, it, not, not from the Army, from all services, and let them be part of that marketing plan. Because I think what people are looking for is, is they have to have trust, you know. And right. I think once you get into the VA, you're going to have the trust. But you got to figure out a, a better way of educating the, uh, the uh, soldiers or service members that are out. I, I just so I, I brought this up a whole lot uh, in some of the meetings I've been in. Why don't we market a lot more and we just, you know, just have never got there. And I wish, I wish we'd do something about that, I guess. Well, I definitely agree, and I do think there's lots of good news stories that could be shared. Yeah, that's for sure. You you often talk about, uh, you know, veterans achieving the American dream, using benefits. Can you elaborate more on that? Sure. If you go back and think about the Declaration of Independence, the famous line, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. Well, at that time, happiness meant like wealth. So it was really life, liberty, and the pursuit of wealth. And so think about the American dream, right? It's get a great job live in a community, you know, own a home, Gen next generation does better than you. So think about kind of that construct and now go back and think about benefits, right? So, you know, if you've been disabled in service, there's disability compensation, so you are able to continue to, to prosper. You can get an education through the GI Bill that gets you that great job. Through the home loan guarantee, you can buy a home and you know, well ahead of your non-veteran peers and live in a great community. So the benefits have really been designed and thought about as a way to help veterans, you know, quite frankly, accelerate their American dream, right? Because if you think about the non-veterans to go to college, they got to save money or go deeply into debt. Mm -hmm. To buy a home, they have to come up with a down payment, not veterans. All these things really enable them to move ahead of their non-veteran peers and really achieve their goals, which I talk about in terms of the American dream. Yeah. Why do you think 
Uh, why do you think it's so hard for us to educate veterans about benefits and entitlements? I mean, from, I mean, looking from your perspective, the VA, and, and I'm probably looking from my perspective, and you know, been in the Army. I'm not sure where the where the uh, where we dropped the ball. I guess. Well, it's a hard subject, and it's made it's incredibly complicated. So I don't think there's hard and fast rules because, as I discovered when I was there, there was always a law a regulation, a court case that made things hard to explain. So you'd ask me, is this the way it works? And it always was. It depends. Yeah. So there's a real short, there's a real shortage of just simple information to explain this to folks. So I think we begin in a hard subject. And often people think about it as, well, you know, it's one of those things like nobody ever wants to talk about death. Nobody wants to do estate planning because it's just not seen as a really, you know, pleasant sort of thing. And I also think benefits are the same way. It's like, oh, lots of paperwork, lots of headache, lots of whatever. And I have to put up with the machine and everybody tells a story. It took forever and I was denied. And so I do think it has kind of a bad rap, which is why I spent a lot of time talking to people about how fast can you get things done for veterans so they can understand it's really not supposed to be a time consuming process. And as you know, like veterans in their regular jobs, their regular day, live in the private sector where everything's getting faster pizza yeah. in 20 minutes, watch it on your cell phone. They don't want to be told your benefits are going to come in 125 days. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's also a realization that the world, while the VA might be getting better and service to veterans might be getting better, services elsewhere are getting better faster. And when you look at that, VA looks like it's falling behind. Yeah. Well, the problem is I think uh, technology changes so fast. And, right. And we can't stay up with technology. I mean, now the government, you know, I, mean, I know when I was in the Army, uh, I was working with uh, somebody one time and they it would say, we have a good idea. We have a good idea. We have a good idea. Let's think about it. Let's think about it. Let's think about it. And then technology changes again. So every 90 right. days it's changing. So uh, a couple more questions. That, uh, it, I was always bothered by the fact that uh, our medical records did not automatically go to the VA. And I know we've, uh. we've worked on that. 20, almost 18 years ago when I was in the army and we was trying to fix that. And that's still an issue. And then I'm going to add another question. Have, uh, have we ever thought about using apps about the things you talked about, an app for benefits and entitlements and stuff? So, Sure. Well, let me start with the medical records. Yes, that's a really big problem because when you apply for disability compensation, the two things the VA has got to go find is your military record about your personnel and where you were and the dates of service. Yeah. And then they got to get the medical records, yeah. right? And often they're stored in this Indiana Jones type warehouse in St. Louis <laughs> yeah. run by the National Archive, yeah. who are just these wonderful librarians who move at librarian speed, trying to get that information to the VA to get done. But if you've been paying attention since about 2018, when VA is rolling out an electronic health record, that is the same one DOD is using. Mm -hmm. It's a big problem. It has lots of complexities and lots of challenges, but when it finally works, it'll do exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. It'll enable the records to seamlessly move and it even gets better because at places like the Veterans Benefits Administration, you might be able to look in and say, okay, you know, so-and-so, you were a tanker or you were in the artillery or something. We know that people like that, you know, have hearing issues or have back issues or whatever. So we can tell you right now, like on average, this is your benefits. And we could probably do that even before you get done because we have so much knowledge about people like you and like your service. So the future is very promising, but it's going to be real pain to get there. But everybody knows it, it just it just can't not happen.
Yeah, no, it's, it's got to happen. It's it, again, it's you know, I got out in 2004, and, and I know there's working on it years before that. It just it takes a lot. What about the app? Have you talking about they're thinking about apps? Well, yeah, so everybody has these aspirations, but you're gonna laugh, and it goes back to your technology problem. <laughs> if you think about where I'll just say VBA because that's what I understood best, the technology was very old, and so to hook an app up into old technology really wasn't gonna work all that well. So there's a couple of evolutions of technology that need to take place before these things can happen. But it's on the drawing board. It's just one of those things where there's so many other problems. And as you point out, everybody knows in government, they tend to underfund technology or they get the technology money and they tend to like blow it, quite frankly. So there's a notion of, you know, yeah, okay, government's always going to be behind in technology. Yeah. I said that was the last question, but it was a lie. I'm going to ask you one more. Real quick. <laughs> the the, uh, the other thing is is every uh, every four years there's a rotation, right? And every every three or four years in the military there's a rotation. I think we work on things, we get it going, and then a new person comes in, and they and they change the idea. They have a different concept, and it seems like we waste a tremendous amount of money uh, trying to get to the mountain where we just if we just leave it alone and let it develop and grow. Uh, when you when you left your position, did you leave like a continuity book of the things you're working on and things you're accomplishing, or or do they do anything like that in the? So sure, a couple things. So you're right. One of the things is you can really only plan on being there four years. So I showed up one year into the administration, so yeah. I could really only plan on being there three years. And you realize you can't have a five year plan in three years. Mm -hmm. And so what I thought about was what projects can be done in about no more than 18 months. Cause I found that big organizations from my private sector experience lose their interest after 18 months, they get tired of things. So smaller projects done over and over again, you know, new small project, you know, when the old one is done really led to something that people know as continuous improvement. And that's what I really worked on to make the changes at VBA. At the end of every four years, uh, the incumbent administration uh, provides documents in the event there is a change. And so those were those were provided to the new team. In addition, once the election is sort of over in the November, December period, the new team sends people in to talk to, um, you know, the previous team to get information. What they do with that, often they have different agendas, which is why they got elected. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much there. But yeah, one of the big problems is, but it's the, I guess the beauty of our system is that there are changes regularly. And so, you know, new ideas can come and things do get stopped and started. Yeah, change is a part of life. You know, I knew that when I went in the army, we had an M14. When I left, they had an AR, you know, so. But, well, yeah. but if I could just build on those, yeah, I will sure tell you one thing, Jack, which really bothers me is I don't think veterans issues are the place for people to learn. I think that we look, need to look carefully as to, especially through the political appointee process, who comes and why. You know, I believe the secretary should be a veteran. It's yes. not a, it's not a, I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but I think that's really important, right? And that they have, should have some familiarity with the complexity of the problems. And quite frankly, and you know this from your time in DOD, the sheer size of the organization. So, you know, if you're only going to be there four years and your first 18 to 24 months are learning and figuring things out, that's really, you know, pain the veterans suffer 
while that happens. And so I think we could have higher expectations for, you know, the leadership capabilities and quite frankly, the management capabilities of the people who take care of our veterans. You no, know, I, I couldn't agree with you. I, I, it was always very frustrating to me when I went and talked to somebody uh, in the VA, and I know they do a lot of great work, but if, if they had a military background experience, it always seemed like it was easier for me to explain what my issues were. So I think right. it's important for people that's walked in your shoes to be in those leadership positions. I, I, th I think that's just a smart way to do business. And, and I wish they would do it that way. I, I don't, in fact, I, quite frankly, I don't know why they don't. Yeah, you know, the, all these processes happen for reasons sometimes that don't make sense, and I understand it, but those are just some observations. <laughs> it's a great, uh, we're talking with Dr. Paul Lawrence, undersecretary from the VA uh, Benefits, and uh, and I and you're enjoying, I hope you're enjoying your next mission with me, Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major, I'm in. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this discussion, I'm sure that you are, please like us and click on the subscribe button below. Uh, to to to, uh, to continue on uh, our discussion, sir, filing for benefits is hard and it's complicated. And uh, how can veterans get help if they're unhappy with the decisions on, uh, you know, on, on, their, on the process? Can they appeal the process? Sure. Well, let's break it apart a couple ways. So you can, when you decide to file for benefits, especially disability compensation, you can do this yourself and many do. But it is very, very complicated, and there is way to, a way to get free help, no-cost help. Um, um, the large uh, veteran service organizations, American Legion, DAV, Disabled American Veterans, VFW, even Vietnam Veterans of America, and Wounded Warrior Project, mm -hmm. they have service officers. These are trained folks who know how to process claims, and they will help veterans you know, file their claim, gather the evidence, and file their claims. So you can do that at no cost, and you often don't have to be a member of those organizations. And so they have you know, thousands of people who do this. The other thing is um, each state has the equivalent of a Department of Veterans Affairs, and each state has service officers as well who will assist the veterans in the state at no cost to file for their benefits. So those are two ways you can get no cost help. Now, there's a lot of lawyers and other people who will charge our veterans to do that. This is America, so our veterans have lots of choices, but I just wanna make sure they understand there are some no cost alternatives. Now you're right, at the end of the period of time, the really amazing thing about VA is a veteran, regardless of what happened, can appeal almost any decision. Mm -hmm. You can do this in the hospitals, believe it or not, you can even do it in the cemeteries, but benefits is the one that I'm most familiar with. Now, it used to be back in the day, pre-2017, to do that, you had to go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, generally took between three and seven years, and nobody liked it because it took forever and it just seemed to be a problem. Uh, a new law went into effect in 2019 called Appeal, Appeals Modernization that allowed, through the Veterans Benefits Administration, two what are now called decision review lanes. So you can have your decision reviewed much faster, and these can be done in several months. One's called the higher level review, and this is sort of like professional sports, where another set of eyes, more experienced eyes, can look at it and see if they agree with the decision. Often they can catch errors or find things that a more senior person can correct. That's been very well received. There's also another lane or another path called a supplemental claim, where you can provide additional information to augment your claim and make that 
that uh, that fat, the decision better understood. And then, like I said, both of those two lanes are getting done in you know three to four months, much faster than the three to seven years. And you still have the right to go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals and have a judge do the hearing if you're still unhappy. But this has been a big innovation, 2019, really well received by veterans. Again, nobody nobody's happy when you get a no, but at least now things are happening faster. Well, you don't want to know. I, I, when the people that sit on the board, uh, the appeals board, are, are they military? Do they have military backgrounds? Any of them? Uh, doesn't matter. Some do. Some do, some don't, but they're, you know, primary lawyers by training. They become judges through this process. Yeah. I know that there's like a thousand of them, so I didn't meet them all. Some I met were, um, you know, military spouses. Some had military experience. Others did not. Yeah. I, again, I always think it's good that they have. I think a military spouse would be a great person to have on the board. But but I always, I, again, you you said it already. I think it's important to have people that have that military background that's walking into boots a little bit because there's some things right. that maybe that veteran can't communicate well enough uh, to get that word in there. So it's uh, it's a, in fact, to be honest with you, when I when I went through my appeal process, there was a person out in Missouri that I was a sergeant first class that uh, worked for the VA. I contacted her and she went through my medical records and told me what I needed to do. So there's there's people right. out there that uh, certainly want to help you. But that's it's a it's a problem. But I got to admit now, I really got to admit it's really getting a lot better. It's gotten a lot better. Yeah. And I see a lot, I don't hear as mo- as uh, as many people complain about it, which is, I guess, probably good. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, I just think, you know. It's it, that's really good to know. Yeah, are, are you going to go back and do uh, into the uh, in the VA on the, maybe in the next administration or, or what's your plans? I guess. Well, you know, the, as you know, passion for serving veterans is high. Yeah. So, um, if you know things, if things do change, you know, I'd like to be in that conversation because I do think you know you have this experience and you come away going, oh, if I just had a little more time, I would have fixed this and that and this and that. You know. So that would be a real interesting opportunity. Yeah, I know. It's good. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You've been enjoying your next mission. You're watching Your Next Mission, proudly presented by the Cavalry Agency. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union, the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community, serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative, and world-class education at PurdueGlobal.edu. Veterans United Home Loans, the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Learn more at VeteransUnited.com. Now back to your host, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilly. Welcome back. I am the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Taylor. We're blessed to be here today with Dr. Paul Lawrence, author, veterans advocate, and former Undersecretary of Benefits at the VA. And I, I want to reach out to, I want all of you to reach out to me directly. Tell us about, uh, tell us about your transition. 
Tell us what topics you like us to cover. I always tell everybody on this show, it's not my show, it's our show. It's a veteran show that we want to assist you any way that you can. And, and you can call or text me, 844-424-1134. Or you can, again, email me at smatelly at yournextmission.org. Uh, okay, let's pick it up where we left off. Sir, uh, we're heading to our final segment with you today, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I just have a, a couple of more questions here. So sure. understanding being, you're being prepared for transitioning uh, from military to civilian life is important. Uh, can you share any tips or transitioning service members, uh, you know, uh, that return to civilian life, any tips for them? Sure. My, my, my observation about what the best practice really is, is beginning early. You know, sort of the early bird catches the worm kind of That's stuff, right. beginning yeah. early. And so... You know, probably six months to even a year before people think are getting, they're getting ready to leave the military, they need to start thinking about what that is. So let's focus in on employment, right? And so they need to think about like, well, what will I do when I leave the military? And so part of that is thinking through, you know, what are you, what are you experienced at? What are you good at? And even what do you want to do? For folks who, you know, have thought about it, the DOD SkillBridge program is a really great way to get experience in companies in the last six months. And, you know, talking to friends, going to like social media, things like this or webinars and finding out what's out there because it is a good time to be a veteran. Veteran unemployment is not as low as it once was, but it's still very low. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows veterans are great employees. Generally, they come out as the top performers. They're loyal. They can deal with ambiguity. They're great with people and mission focused. So the, but the folks who really do transition well know what they want to do. And so when they interview, because they know what they want to do, they'll ask the company, do you have one of these? Like, I want to be, you know, an IT program manager. Do you have one of those open? Because that's what I want to be. They get better jobs than somebody says, hi, I don't know exactly what I want to be. I just want to get a job. Companies need to hire people. You get jobs. It doesn't turn out to the right one. Yeah. 18 months later, they generally leave and they start over again. It takes them a couple cycles before they get the right job. So really figuring out what you're good at and what you want to do is key. It's hard. That's why the, the starting early, talking to people, reading, trying things like SkillBridge, and, 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 and trying to like really think that one through. Yeah, no, I, I tell everybody they, uh, <clears throat> on transition out of the military, they should start two years out, uh, at yeah. least two years out, and make sure you get your family involved uh, in right. the process. That's really important. The other thing I think is uh, interesting what you say about this is the education is really important. If you have a, a bachelor's degree, get a master's. If you've got a master's, get a doctorate. As much education as you can get, uh, you certainly do it. The other thing, of course, is important. Pay all your bills off. Be prepared. Save as much money as you can. Yeah. Uh, but but getting certified or, or get those credentials uh, for yourself before you ever get out of the service. Because once you get out, uh, you got to start moving and getting a job and taking care of your family. I mean, that's really right. the bottom line. Well, and let me just give you a little bit of, I agree with everything you said, but here's some more information. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bias, I think we have towards getting like a four-year college degree, you know, is, is something we should talk about because it often isn't for any, everybody. There are great jobs doing things we once would have called the trades. Oh, I agree. Electricians, yep. plumbers, whatever. In fact, you know, the previous president used to call those the fastest way to 100,000K jobs, <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Or, you know, you start out as a plumber in three or four years, you own a small plumbing company. Okay. So I also think we should remind our veterans, there are great paths out there that you can do again, using your GI bill, mm -hmm. no debt, not four years, not time in class that you may or may not like. So there's a lot of other things, right? So for example, just to be topical, you know, right now we have a shortage of truck drivers in the United States. That's a high paying job right now to be able to move the kind of things you need to do. So there's lots of opportunities for veterans. So I would, you know, have them scan widely as to what they think works best for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100 uh, percent. Some people want to get a college degree. Some people want to get certified as a specific task. Here's, a, here's just a thought for you. I come up with this crazy idea years ago, and I, I thought we allow a lot of uh, veterans to get out of the military and the government never uses them again. And really what I thought is we ought to have what I call it the 360 degree thing. So if uh, if VA has jobs or the DOD has jobs, they should post those jobs for maybe a guy like me, two years out or 18 months out, I look at that job, I see what the qualifications are, I contact your office, I'm interested in this job, when will it be open? It's open in you know a year and a half or two years. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get certified in whatever I have to get certified on. So when I transition out of the military, I move right from the military into that government job because it seems like we just waste a lot of, of very talented people and we just sort of throw them back out. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, it'd be good if it could work the way you describe. There I are I pieces, probably couldn't. <laughs> there, there are pieces of that though, which is you know, the veterans preference in hiring into government jobs. Yeah. So there are, there, the veterans do get a preference there. And there are based on the jobs, something called direct hire authority. This is relatively new yeah. where the need is so strong. You can find a qualified candidate instead of going through the long and laborious government hiring process, you can instantly hire them. That's why it's called direct hire authority for certain jobs. And it was expanding. And I think this conversation is still going on to even for military spouses. Yeah. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I guess I guess at some point though, Jack, we have to have this candid conversation with, you know, there's a lot of resources and a lot of help, but veterans need to own this. To find the thing that's best for you, yep. you actually have to go do this. There are yeah. so many veterans who wanna help, but again, they can't help if you can't describe what it is you want. If you don't know exactly what it is, they'll give you information, but only when you can say, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. Help me do that. That's when I've seen veterans help other veterans the most. Yeah, you, you know, it's really funny you say that because, you know, when I got out of the Army, I wasn't even sure what I was going to do. And I, and I didn't. I, I got to admit now, I didn't plan. I didn't start two years out. I didn't start a year out. I, didn't, I really, I, I didn't even start 90 days out because I, I worked really almost till I got out of the service and based right. on what I was doing. And uh, and I just sort of jumped out, but luckily because I was a you know former sergeant major of the army, there was a lot of people that approached me uh, to to work with them, and I you know it, it really turned out pretty well. But after about uh, after about six months of doing that, I ended up just starting my own company and sure. uh, rolling in that. And I never had thought about it before, but I did uh, I did consulting work, and then I loved it so much I. Finally, spend too much in taxes, so I said, yeah, "Better open up." Yeah, that, that that was another eye opener. But but I opened it up and started doing my own company, and and I did that for uh, oh golly, two uh, a couple of years, just working myself. I had uh, eight clients, and then I decided to hire a guy to help me, 
and then I uh, picked up another conference. Anyway, I went from one to two to three. Now I got eight or nine guys. I got nine guys that work with me now yeah. and in a small company. But, and they're all retired sergeant majors. So really much. Oh, <laughs> so it really works good. out pretty but, good. But but that story is not all that unusual. No, I mean, I think it's it. unusual from a higher level like you are. But there's numerous stories of veterans using their GI Bill. Mm-hmm. The ones I'm most familiar with are, you know, the trades, they become electricians, yeah. you know, a bunch of them all get together. Suddenly now they have this small, but very profitable company, you know, company that services residential and businesses. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I just think of that. And what I really like about that is these are the folks who hire other veterans. Yes. That's what's really exciting about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I, again, I'm going to get off this real quick. You know, we, we do, uh, we do at a hiring event. We do about seven hiring events uh, through our foundation every year and try to put a ton of uh, people to work. And I'm, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm gonna help veterans till the day I die, uh, you know, cause I enjoy doing it. I mean, the military, quite frankly, it did a lot for me. And so I wanna, I really wanna give back. You know, it's all about giving back to, just like yourself, you wanna give back yeah. uh, because your family, cause all the relationships that you've had. So that's a, it's a big deal for me. Yeah, and I think uh, that's probably something that veterans need to know. So many veterans, you, me, others have that sense of, happy to help, right? Mm-hmm. So veterans who are struggling, you know, should feel comfortable asking other veterans for help. So, you know, that's something we need to think about letting them know it's okay to ask for help because that's what we're here for, right? We understand it, We've maybe a little bit ahead on the journey. We can explain what we learned, what we observed, you know, some of the mistakes and pitfalls, but yeah, no. And I think that's what's really great about the veteran community is the more senior ones do want to help, the more junior ones. Yeah, you know, you just hit on a, I think you're really right. I think there's a lot of veterans that are afraid to ask for help uh, because they're embarrassed or ashamed or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I always tell people this is part of a family. Uh, if you got a problem, I got a problem. So we're gonna, I'm going to help you out as much as I can, that's for sure. Along those lines, the VA Veterans Readiness and Employment Program, also known as the VARE, I hope I got that right, is a great step helping veterans service-connected disabilities. Can you talk a little bit about the, the benefits and how that helps veterans? Sure. Um, so VRE is really an employment program that has essentially counselors who work one-on-one with veterans who have a service connection. And it's really designed to help them find the right situation. So the classic example is, gee, I had this great career. It went away. I need help. Can you help me? They work with a counselor. They design a program. Hey, maybe I need some more education to go do what I've always wanted to do. So they work through education and the like. I want to open a business. You can actually get help opening your own business. So it's an entrepreneurial thing and the like. So it's really kind of one of these very complicated things to understand, but folks, veterans who are service connected can actually get some counseling help and they keep them on track and you can do this for a while. So it isn't just quick, fast, and a hurry. It's a program that's appropriate for you for the goals you want to have. Classic example that we used to talk about at VA was someone who went off to the Mideast, was in an IED thing or a horrible explosion, Imagine that one day he would be like a park ranger out and about, couldn't do that anymore. I don't think he even graduated from high school. With VR&E, got his GED, went to college, 
went to a prestigious law school and was a lawyer the last time we checked on him in a, in a very good firm, making something like $300,000 a year. So the, the, path was so, the yeah. path was so very different than he might've imagined when he entered service. And he had this just horrific incident, but yet through the kind of counseling and help and assistance really ended up in a very good place, relatively speaking. So that's a, probably an extreme example but this, this counselor relationship can really be a very good thing for veterans as they try to figure out what makes sense for yeah, them. You, you know, you just made me think of something. You know, I remember uh, years ago, I've, I've seen a lot, you know, because I've seen the Army so long, I've seen a lot of veterans that uh, have been wounded and, and, uh, and burnt. But the worst one I think I ever seen was a young man. I was in San Antonio, was burnt over uh, about 75% of his body. And, and really, he was, he was uh, so disfigured, it was really tough to look at him. And, uh, and so when I went in there, I told everybody that had cameras, I said, hey, look, uh, don't bring a camera in there. Right. Uh, don't do any of this stuff. I'll just go in and talk to myself. And so when I walked in, I started talking to him. And as soon as I got in there, he says, hey, Sergeant Major. I said, yeah, do you have a camera so we can take a picture? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about it, but, but you know, he was, he was a great guy and had a great attitude. But I sometimes wonder what, you know, what happens to people like that, what they uh when they are disfigured or something like that, and how hard it is to find employment for them. Sure. Well, there's a couple of things. One of them is, bear with me here, SCARS is a big area of disability compensation, right? Mm -hmm. So they understand kind of things like this happen and it plays it out that way. So um, they may very well never be able to be employed just because of the situation, yeah. right? Um, they're limited mobility, they're limited whatever. And quite frankly, as much as we don't like to think about it, the uncomfortableness of others wanting to work with them, that's mm -hmm. just whatever. So there is a benefit called individual unemployability where it acknowledges that you will not be able to be employed because of what happened in your service and there's you know compensation for that to help them on the way. So it's unfortunate, but again, now with more and more remote work, some of that can be dealt with. So there are different variations of it. I don't think it's, you know, if we were to think back in the day, I don't know, make up a number 50, 60 years ago, the, the possibilities were many fewer. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough job. And, and, I, and I gotta admit, the VA does a wonderful job and, and people like you, God bless you for, for what you've done and what you continue to do. Before I let you go, I want to I want to tell the audience about your book, uh, Transforming Services uh, Service to Veterans, which describes your time as a leader of the Veterans Benefit Administration. Uh, please tell us about what they can expect about your book and how to get it. And I'm going to make sure so, I put sure. it up right here right now. Okay. Uh oh, thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so I wrote a book about my time as Undersecretary for Benefits. You know how I got the job, what I did when I was there things that, you know, steps we took to improve, implementing laws, dealing with the pandemic, you know, holding telephone town halls to talk to over 5 million veterans and field their questions. So I really wanted to describe to folks what it's like, because a lot of people have questions like, how does it really work in government? It's a management book. It's a story about what goes on inside the Veterans Benefits Administration. So uh, yeah, you can get it on Amazon. I think it's less than $20. And so, um, you know, yeah, if you're interested in that kind of thing, that's that's what I that's that's what I've done since I've uh, left office. Well, I just want to tell you, thank you for my signed copy. I appreciate it. I'll read it. <laughs> hey, I, 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 there's one last question. I'm going to let you get some final thoughts is if there's one or two things you wish you would accomplished in the VA, what would they be? 
Sure. One of the last things I was working on was trying to find parts of the processes where veterans waited while VA went and did something. So the classic example was VA, VA you need your uh, personnel record to grant benefits. So they'd put a request into this place in St. Louis that I told you about, run by the National Archives, and they would wait while the National Archives would find them and send them to us because they're all in paper. So I was like, well, wait a minute, why don't we just go into the National Archives and digitize every record so that when the veterans eventually do apply, it's in some big computer library and cutting out weeks by simply looking it up. Yeah. The same kind of thing with, you know, the medical records, the same kind of thing. Everywhere VA was waiting to get something for veterans should have been reduced. And that's what I was working on. So there were really speed kind of things that can make the processes go faster. So that's something I was working on. I hope the next team will continue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, again, I, I could probably talk to you for a couple hours here, but <laughs> I appreciate all you all you do and all you've done. And, and I want to wish you, before we get off the show, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you, and God bless you for all that you, uh, like I said, do and continue to do. Any final thoughts, anything you want to share with the audience? Well, I mean, a couple things. Some of the, the some of the, the saddest sort of things I found were folks who didn't know they were veterans and didn't know they were eligible for benefits. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. believe, believe it or not, that really was, you know, or someone told me once I make too much money. Someone told me once or something like that. So I think part of it is, you know, please don't think that. Come back, look around. If you had a bad experience with the VA, as you pointed out, Jack, it's getting better. Come back, give them a second chance. You know, it's there. And the thing about it is, it's connectivity, right? So you leave Department of Defense, and then you end up becoming a veteran. The math will be such that you will be a veteran, you know, longer than you were on active duty. Sure. It's just kind of how math, the math will work. So come to the VA. It's the big community for veterans. And the saddest part to think about is when we look at the suicide numbers, the last, stuff, last time I heard this was two-thirds of the 21 or 22 a day had never connected with the VA. Oh, wow. So that's really something we should think about. So yeah, you know, let's get the word out to veterans. Let's kind of continue, you know, shows like this are great. If folks are interested in seeing what I'm doing, I also try to write about veterans issues on LinkedIn. So follow me and you'll see kind of me talking about other organizations, other places where they exist to help veterans. Yeah, so is there a... Is there, a, a, you said link, they can get contact you on LinkedIn. Is there a website or something that they can follow you with? No, you just go to LinkedIn and look me up as my name, Paul R. Lawrence, and they can follow me and I try to put stuff out there. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, and thank you, uh, Dr. Lawrence, for, uh, you know, for being here today. I certainly appreciate it. I, again, I can't thank you enough. And, and if you don't mind, we may reach out to you again, try to get you back on the show later. Because you have a uh, well, I, I, I anticipated that because inevitably what happens, you'll get a comment that goes, gee, I wish you'd asked this question. Or I wish you'd <laughs> sort of talked about that. And that's the interesting thing about benefits. There's just so many things out there. And so, yes, we should I'd be happy to come back and talk about, you know, how, what these are and how they're supposed to be helping our veterans. Well, thank you very much. I'm Jack Eptelli, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. And I, I hope you've been enjoying your next mission. If you haven't, something's wrong with you because this has been a great conversation. And thank you for uh, being with us today. And please visit our website at yournextmission.org and, and leave me a review. Hopefully it's a good review, but if it's a bad one, I guess I can take that too. You can also uh, visit our partners there who can provide you with so many services that will assist you in your transition from the military. 
and also visit our corporate partners and see all the jobs they have available for you. Please know we want to assist you in any way we can. We're not just doing this show for me. We're doing this show for our veteran community to help you in any way that you can. Uh, please follow me on all my social media channels. I've never thought I'd ever say that. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed this discussion with Dr. Paul Lawrence, please like us and click on the subscribe button below. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. Please leave me a message or send me a text at 844-424-1134 or send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. You'll be surprised I'll answer you. <laughs> and thanks again to Dr. Paul Lawrence for being with us today. It was a it was great having you on the show. And I want uh, everyone to follow Dr. Lawrence on his LinkedIn. He has some great advice, and you heard it already, great advice, which can find uh, find his informative and, uh, and timely post. And so I just, uh, you need to follow him, need to listen to him. He can certainly help you. To close, I, I want to leave you three things to, to remember. And we're dedicating this season to your next mission to all of our those veterans and family members who struggle with mental illness, which so often has led to someone taking their life. I, here lately, I've been talking about a couple of friends that I have that uh, that have taken their life, and uh, so I just want to—I don't want to tell you to reach out to someone you haven't spoken with in a in a long time and check on them, uh, see how they're doing. I always call it a buddy check, see what they're doing, and and let them be part of your life. Second, I, I'm, you know, I'm proud of serving in the military. I'm proud of the time. And everybody I talk to is proud of being in the military. But I'm going to ask you to do just one more thing for me. I'm not going to ask. A couple more things for me. I want you to wear your service hat. I want you to wear, if you're an Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, whatever, I want you to wear your hat every Friday. And uh, if you want to, you can send me a photo on one of my social media links there, and, and we'll post it. Uh, be proud of who you are. Be proud of serving. And here's another thing for you. Use the VA because uh, they can help you out. And then the last thing, I, I want to encourage everyone out there to reach out to your neighbor. Offer a smile or a helping hand. Together, let's try to bridge the divide that affected so many of us today. Again, thanks for being with us today. And, and thanks to Cloudcast Media and, of course, our four presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global and Veterans United Home Loans. We appreciate all they do for our military. See you on the high ground. Hoo You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org.